1: Good morning, everyone. My name is Rebecca Chen and I'm a partner with and Newman. I'll be doing the conference today. Um, There should be a link to a Google Sheet in the chat. Um, If you haven't already and you have a question, please fill in your question on that Google Sheet um, and we'll be uh, calling on people in order of their filling in the um, question there. Shruti, can you start the first question?
2: Yes, Rebecca. Hi, um, so I'm on H 1B visa in the US right now, and I'd like to know how much time I can work from my home country without any tax implications.
1: Oh, um, we probably wouldn't be able to answer any tax related questions. You will probably need to consult with the CPA on that. Immigration wise, um, I mean, technically, if you are physically outside the US, then you don't need any US work authorization. So US work visas, work authorization, it's only needed if you're physically in the US in order to work here. If you are sitting outside the US, then as long as you have work authorization wherever you're sitting, um, the US immigration agency doesn't really care.
2: Okay, so is there a time limit up to which I can uh, stay
1: outside or is
2: there no definite time limit to that?
1: No, there's no time limit for how long you want to stay outside the U.S. The immigration agency only, you know, controls people in the U.S. and sets a term for how long you can be physically in the U.S. I mean, you can exit the country and never come back if you wanted to. And, um, you know, the U.S. Immigration Agency wouldn't do anything to stop you. If you intend to continue your H-1B, you know, you would need to work with your employer Mm -hmm. on that. That would be more of a question for your employer, whether they would be willing to um, eventually, I mean, if you're going to be outside the US for a long period of time, they may not need to extend your H-1B. That'll be something between you and the company.
2: Okay, thank
1: you. Sure.
2: Retta? Hi, uh, can you please uh, read my question from the sheet?
1: Um how many registrations did you have in the lottery? Two. And the one that got selected is not the company that you've been working for? No. You've never worked for them? Actually, I'm not working. I'm on EAD. Okay. Um are you work but you're not working for either company? Yes. Um yeah, I think it would be risky, especially if it is a company that offered to register you in the lottery, you know, without really interviewing you, without even trying to get you a client um, job. You know, It's not that you can't work. If, it, if you have an EAD, you're authorized to work immediately for them. So USCIS, looking at this situation where you have more than one registration, with companies that probably have filed multiple registrations for the same beneficiaries, it's going to be difficult to make an argument to them that you have a genuine job offer with them. If you have a genuine job offer, why aren't you working for them now on EAD? You know That's going to be the USCIS position on it. Um, so it'll kind of be up to you whether you want to go forward with that H-1B filing based on this registration selection. Um, I personally would probably advise against it. I mean, I can't say for sure because I don't know this company, but if it seems like one of those companies that is just registering as many people as they can, they just, you know, put out on Facebook and WhatsApp, you know, give me, give us your passport info, we'll register you in the lottery, that sort of thing, rather than you applying with them for a job and providing them your resume, your education documents, going through an interview and hiring process, if it was them soliciting you rather than the other way around, I would probably, would guess that this company is probably going to be investigated by USCIS for fraud in the lottery registration process. And I probably would not want them to file an H-1B petition on my behalf.
2: So you are saying like they can, like what they show
1: the offer I have, they show for with multiple candidates? No, they have potentially taken your registration, your passport information, and they may have shared it with other companies without your knowledge. They don't need your sign-off or anything like that in order to register you multiple times through other companies that they have set up or other companies that they're cooperating with. And the the pattern with these types of companies from what we've seen is that they are the type of companies that solicit people for their passport information in order to register them. Rather than, you know, a company with a genuine job offer, you will need to apply with them. You know, you have to apply for a job with them or maybe you get to know them through a recruiter or through a reference from some employees that already work there. You know, most genuine companies are not sending out, you know, posting on social media that will file your H-1B registration if you give us your passport information.
3: Um, okay. Okay. Uh, next Thank question. Can... But, uh... Yeah. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. Uh, hi. Uh, you can see the question that I have in the Google. It's it's my husband's H-1B visa is expiring on August 12th and the I-140 is not approved. So we have planned to go to a change of status to B2. So how many days ideally before we should be filing for it? Um,
1: it, it needs to be before August 12th, definitely. Um, the earlier, uh-huh. the better. If You know, at this point that there's no way that the, if the perm yeah. is not approved right now, then there's no mm-hmm. way that I-140 is going to get approved. So go ahead and file it immediately don't wait until the okay. last minute there's you know there will only be risk yeah. there we recommend filing uh-huh. it online because you can file the i-539 online directly through uscis.gov and the advantage okay. of filing online is that you will get the receipt notice immediately in your My USCIS account if you file it by paper uscis will send the receipt notice by mail which can still take a couple of weeks to reach you in the mail um and uh-huh. for That's where the deadline is coming up so soon. You want to make sure you have the I-539 receipt notice in hand before August 12th. So go ahead and do it
3: today or tomorrow. Oh, okay. And uh, so once we want to change the state, once the I-140 and PERM is approved and we want to change the status from B2 back to H-1B, is the B2 approval required that time? No, not
1: anymore. It used to be the case okay. that um, okay. USCIS wouldn't process the H-1B until the B-2 was approved, and that could take several months. But USCIS did confirm earlier this year that they will, in a situation like that, if you file the H-1B once there's a once the I-140 is approved, that they'll process the B-2 and H-1B together at the same time.
3: Okay, okay. And can my daughter do, do schooling during the B-2 period? It's a bit of a
1: gray area. Technically, people on a B-1, B-2 visa are not supposed to attend school here. They're not supposed to go to university. They're not technically mm-hmm. supposed to attend public school.
3: Okay.
1: I would discuss with your immigration attorney um, to get an idea of how long they're expecting it to take okay. for the I-140 approval. It's a rel- If it's a relatively short period of time, I would say it shouldn't be necessary for you to pull your child out of public school, you know, out of... um if they're in primary or secondary school, you probably don't need to pull them out of that. Um, if it's a short period of time, if it's a situation where it's going to be more like six months or something like that, you may need to discuss with the immigration attorney because in that situation it might be advisable to, to either have your family exit the US or at least not have her attend school.
3: Okay, and my one more question is, will you be able to help us file online B2?
1: No, um, that's one of the disadvantages. If you're going to file the B2 application online, then you can't use an attorney.
3: So an attorney can only paper filing. Okay. Okay. And uh, do you, uh, I mean, uh, the attorney cannot even, I mean, I fill online, but if I have certain questions in the form, the attorney cannot help me if I'm paying the fees to them. I will fill, we can fill it online, but I just need some guidance with the form filling then I would say you should make a consultation, um, you know, make an appointment for a consultation.
1: Okay,
4: next question. Winkert. Hi, uh, this is Winkert. I have my question on the chat. So my wife uh, was terminated recently from her job and her last date is uh, August 7th. I already filed the paper application to change from H1 to H4 but i have not received the Re- Received Notice yet. Is that going to be a problem by August 7th if I don't receive it? Um, it,
1: The H-4 application is filed uh, by mail, like paper. By
4: mail, yeah, I filed it. The USCIS received it on August, July 20th. So it's been two weeks now that they received it.
1: Yeah, like I said, the receipt notice by mail can take a couple of weeks to arrive, sometimes a bit longer. Um, I would say one thing that you can do to try to confirm whether it was properly filed is um, if you attached a check to the application for the filing fee, if you can look up in your bank records whether that check has been cashed by Department of Homeland Security.
4: I looked at that. It is not cashed yet. That's where the question came from.
1: Yeah, I I would be concerned in that situation. If it was delivered to the USCIS address two weeks ago and the filing fee check is not cached, we have sometimes seen USCIS service centers having a delay in caching filing fee checks, but most of the time they cache the checks within like one or two days of receiving the application. There have been situations where periods of time when when there are a lot of filings and they have taken a longer time to cash the checks, but that's usually you know like unusual situations like October 2020 or at the end of the H-1B um, filing deadline um, in June 30th.
4: Right, but I think yeah. H-1 to H-4, we cannot do it online as well, right? I don't see an option to submit an online for H-1 to H-4.
1: Yeah, you can. You can file the I539 online.
4: But I539 on the current status of drop down, it doesn't show H1 listed there. It, it is asking a question, what is your current immigration status? There, there is no drop down for H1. It
1: should be fine to, I mean, you can use, it's the same form, the I539 form to, to file right. a change of status. Um, but-
4: but the dropdown doesn't show H one as my current status mm-hmm. to transfer to H four. That's yeah. the problem. So what should be done in this case, ma'am? So I she would has probably
1: refile. I would probably refile in order to ensure that you know if it got lost or if something was not filled out or something was not signed correctly or maybe there was a problem with the check. So I would probably refile it before the deadline.
4: Okay, so can she stay after the deadline even if I don't receive the receipt notice?
1: Yes, as long as it was properly filed, but you don't know whether it was properly filed until you get the receipt notice. Okay, so I
4: I can do a duplicate file. I can file one more application if I need to, right?
1: Yes, and then if it turns out the first one did get properly filed, it was just a delay in the receipt notice, you'll just need to withdraw one of them.
4: Okay, I got that.
5: Next question. Kumar? Hey. Hi. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. Good morning. And uh, firstly, thank you for your time with this Zoom call. So, my question is, uh, how can I work for uh, two clients under the same H1B employer?
1: That's fine. um, okay. I mean, does it make any? Does the additional client add an additional work location for your job? Do you have to travel to another work site in order to work for this additional client, or are you just working? It's sitting in one location doing work for more than one client.
5: Yeah, yeah, I'm about yeah. So my primary client that I'm currently working on, the second client that I'm planning to pursue are under the same MSA, and both are remote projects. So I'm assuming there is no material change there. No. And uh, so yeah, job
1: duties that you're doing are essentially the same. There's no physical change in work location outside of that MSA, and there's no significant change to your salary. As a result of that second client, then there isn't a need for the company to file an amendment.
5: Oh, okay. So uh, the next question is, uh, like, how do I get paid for the second client? Means the
1: same way mm-hmm. they pay you through the payroll on W two. Like I said, if If there is going to be a significant increase even in your salary as a result of the addition of the second client, probably it's advisable for the company to amend the H1B petition in that situation. Most of the time, USCIS and the consulates are more concerned with underpayment rather than overpayment, but we have seen situations where USCIS has occasionally sent RFEs and the consulates have sometimes issued 221Gs when the pay stubs show that the employees normal pay on a consistent basis is like twice what it was listed in the I-129 form of the approved H1B petition. So if it's going to be significantly above what was listed in the approved H1B petition, I would say that is a material change that probably the company should file an amendment for.
5: Okay, but is there a specific limit? Let's no, say to, to No, there is no limit.
1: There's no upper limit. There's only the minimum limit.
5: Okay to give you a ballpark, say for example, if I'm earning 100k by by working for the second client, if I do 150 K, will that be a material change?
1: Yes. Yeah, okay. I would recommend the company to file an amendment in that situation. Whether or not they do will kind of be up to them.
5: Yeah, okay. I mean, is there any other option like uh, running this uh, second uh, project payroll under bonus? I mean, I heard someone telling that. I
1: would not recommend it. If it's not a bonus and it's going to be consistently on your regular paycheck, then that doesn't really meet the definition of a bonus. Okay, Uh, next question. Chandra?
5: Hello. uh, Can you hear me? This is Chandra. Hi, go ahead. uh, This is Chandra. Yeah, go ahead. So,
6: yeah. Uh, I, I feel the Google sheet. Did you find that? So actually my... Okay.
1: Uh, my so um, are you physically in the U.S. in H-1B yes. status? Right. Right. Okay. If you are physically in the U.S. in H-1B status, then you are only authorized to work for the H-1B petitioning company. Um, you're not allowed to work for a company outside the U.S. remotely.
2: Okay.
6: Got it. Yeah, sure. And uh, can I get paid if uh, if I work for the same company here? Also, they have the same company, and uh, uh, they said that they cannot pay me here. Uh, they can pay me in India.
7: Then,
1: uh you mean the U.S. company wants to pay you not in U.S. dollars but in India?
2: Uh
6: yes, yes. So because I am working for them as uh, as you explained for the previous. Uh, uh, one that uh, when when there is a second project with the same employer uh, he has uh, the pay should be same so in that case can i receive that pay in india
1: i wouldn't recommend it um because then that looks to i mean how is yeah that looks like you're receiving especially if the companies are related is it this like under the same parent organization the indian company yes. and the us company yeah to the government it's going to look like you're doing work for an Indian company while you're sitting in the US and that Indian company Uh, is not your H-1B petitioner, Um, so I would recommend that all your pay for the US company should be coming from the US company, paid here Uh, on the W-2. Sure, sure, got
2: it. Yep.
5: Thank
1: you.
2: Jay Ganesh?
8: Hi, good morning, Rebecca. So I have posted my question in the Google sheet. Uh, Also, I can explain. So I was on uh, approved H-4 petition. Uh, Last year, I got selected in H-1B. Uh, My H-1B was effective from 1st October 2022. So uh, recently, my employer, uh, like my consultancy revoked my H-1B. Mm -hmm. So uh, the date is on July 5th. So is my... Previous approved uh, H-4 is valid or do I have to file for a change of status now?
1: Yeah, I think you'll, if you want to get back into H-4, I think you will need to file a change of status because um, you said last year, so originally last year you were on H-4 status, then this company filed the H-1B petition for you and it got approved as a change of status application, is that right? From H4 to
8: yeah. H1B. Yeah. Uh, I think so. And- yeah, because okay. because uh, so. under my petition there was an I-94 with okay. the effective dates. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it was if that approval basically changed your status from H4 to H1B. And so um in order to change it back, you would need to file an I5 through nine application to change your status from H1B back to H4. Um if you're so let's see if your H was your H1B revoked by USCIS on July 5th or was it withdrawn by the company because they laid you off or something like that.
8: So it says in the website like uh, your your petition was revoked on July 5th. It says like that but I have not received but How did any you copy leave the
1: company? The did you leave the company? Did they terminate you or did USCIS revoke the application because of fraud or something like that?
8: No, I was on bench and then I was finding for a job. So, uh, suddenly I came to know that the company revoked my H1B.
1: Okay. Did they officially terminate you?
8: Uh they didn't inform me, but uh, when I get to uh, see the status, uh, I, I saw that it was revoked.
1: Okay, and then when was your? It's last a consulting
8: case- company. Uh, it's a consulting
1: company. When actually. was your last pay statement from the company? Uh, actually, they didn't say any
2: last date. Actually, we uh, we were. When was the, the last account?
1: pay statement you received from the company?
2: Uh, they haven't shared any. They didn't share anything, even pay slips. Also, I don't. We are not sure when they stopped running payroll.
1: So you've never been paid by this company since last year?
2: uh, I think for a few months they paid. After that, uh, we we didn't get any uh, pay or uh, pay stubs.
1: Okay. Yeah, it sounds like there are more problems than besides just a normal termination. This is probably a situation where you might have a claim against them um, that could be filed with the Department of Labor's wage and hour division. So if you want to look into those options for filing a complaint against the company, you can consult with an immigration attorney. Um, Right now, as far as Mm -hmm. your status, it's more of a problem because um, that's going to be a problem if you don't have any pay stubs since last year. Um, because pay stubs are going to be needed to prove your status for a change of status to H4 or an H1B transfer. If you don't have any pay stubs, then you won't be able to transfer your H1B or change status within the US. Probably what you'll need to do is um, do you have a valid H4 visa stamp in your passport?
2: uh yeah but it it, uh, it is 2021 it was valid till
1: 2021 i didn't go for the stamping okay, so it's expired change of status yeah okay then i would say probably you'll need to depart the us go get the h4 visa stamp and come back in i don't think you'll mm-hmm. be able to change your status even though it wasn't it sounds like it's the fault of the company which is why i would recommend filing a wage an hour, um, complaint against the company to make it clear that the, your failure to maintain status was the fault of the company, not that, you know, you were refusing to work or something like that. Um, but currently, you know, in the meantime, without pay stubs, you're not going to be able to file the change of status in the U S. So I would probably make arrangements to travel and get the H4 visa stamp.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Uh, so you're say basically saying the uh, 60 that day's grace periods not start from the revoke timing. So the pay steps start. The 60-day grace say. period
1: is supposed to start from the last date of employment. It doesn't sound possible to determine when that is at this time. Usually the last date of employment is around the same time that you received your last paycheck from the company. It sounds like mm-hmm. that was 2022.
2: hmm Okay. Okay,
7: we'll check on it. Thank you so much. Hello, Rebecca, thanks for your time. I have a question regarding change of employment after uh, GC interview and the USAS field office visit. Um, Is it okay? So basically officer visited and he requested some information and I provided. So after that, I don't have any update on that one. So, but after the interview, my date's retrogressed. So I got new offer, they have applied for H1B and 485J supplement. So is it okay to change the job or not good?
1: What was, the,
7: the, um, what was the site visit about? H1B, he stated okay. that it's so a H1B. Basically the H1B is also going to expire in a few months, but uh, like six months before H1B expiration, he visited me. Okay, and it was
1: just kind of, It seems like it was just asking for like your pay stubs and um, information about your position to verify that it matches what's in the application. Yes. Okay, and you haven't heard anything from the company about like a notice of intent to revoke or anything like that for the H-1B as a result of the site visit?
7: No, ma'am. So after that, uh, they applied for my H-1B extension from September onwards. It's also approved after the site visit. Okay. He came to office on April sometime, but they applied for H-1B extension on May on premium processing. And, and it's, uh, approved. it's approved too.
1: Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I would say it's probably if, yeah, it should be safe for you to, trans, if you want to stay in H-1B status, should be fine for you to transfer your H-1B to another company. Um, If you have your EAD from the pending I-485, you could also just change employers using the EAD if your um, I-485 has been pending for
7: at least 180 days, I assume, right? Yeah, it's more than yeah. that. Rebecca. So basically, if I use my EAD, automatically I switch to green card, right? If the yeah. USs uh, field visit uh, maybe mm-hmm. comes negative, then it's going to affect me, right? So at that time, I'm not on the H1 status, so I need to leave the country, right, or no? Um, not necessarily
1: if, it depends on a lot of factors. If, I mean, if the H-1B that they were investigating was not in effect at the time your I-485 is filed, then you didn't even need that H-1B. They can revoke it, they can withdraw it, and it won't affect the pending I-485. That's why it is usually, a lot of times it's easier to use the GCEAD instead of continuing on H-1B status for, especially in the situation where the priority dates are retrogressed and may not recover for a very long time. If you're going to be in H-1B status for decades, then, you know, you're always going to have to deal with this issue of maintaining H-1B site visits, making sure the LCA wage is paid, getting the visa stamp every time you want to travel. The EAD is a lot simpler. You don't have to deal with any of that related to H-1B compliance. The only downside is uh, getting the advance parole in time to be able to travel when you want to, but that seems to be getting better. Um, yeah, so it's up to you. But I would say if you haven't heard anything related to that site visit and there's been an H-1B extension since then, it it doesn't sound like there was any problem, and so it should be fine to change companies at
7: this time. Okay, ma'am. Last question. Say, my skill, my employer stating that with my current employer say if you because of the site visit after two and a half years of H-1B and after green card interview, probably they may ask issue RFE on the 140. So is that true? Um, I
0: can't
1: say for sure. An I-140 notice of intent to revoke or an RFE on that is usually going to be related to the company's finances or the corporate structure. Like if they have merged into another company or been acquired by another company, or if there's something going on with their uh, tax returns, like if they've gotten RFEs for their other I-140s, those could all be reasons why the company is worried about the I-140, but it's not something that, you know, you or an outside attorney would be able to determine because those would all depend on the company's financials and the company's um, kind of corporate structure. That's only something that they would be aware of. But um, yeah, it is possible if they have those issues, um, there could be uh, an RFE or notice of intent to revoke for your I-140. It depends on the reason for the notice of intent to revoke. If it's withdrawn for any other reason besides fraud, then if it's been at least 180 days since your I-485 was filed, you can still switch employers. It's fine if that I-140 gets withdrawn by the company, um, you know, because you don't need it anymore after 180 days from the I-485 filing. Okay, um, I can take one more question. Snagri, Snagri?
6: Hello. Yeah, my- Hi, actually, I have some uh, different problem. Uh, I have, uh, I did... Registration for 2022 lottery and uh, my petition got picked up in the lottery and uh, I have uh, I got the approval then with, in India before coming to US in the September 2022 I got the approval I have, I I have transferred to company B even in India or India itself because they have not mentioned any client letter and seems to be not genuine so I have transferred to company B even in India only then later I went for stamping and it's got approved and I, I traveled to uh, USA on May. But after came here, after one month, my initial petition got revoked by USCIS. So is there any problem for me now to stay here?
1: We, uh, do you know the reason for the revocation of the first application?
6: Because of fraud.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, then it's going to lead to the second H-1B application will be considered invalid also because not for fraud by the second company, but because the second company was only able to file the transfer because you were considered counted in the lottery from the first application. And if the first application is revoked due to fraud, then you're not considered counted in the lottery anymore. Um, so I would expect that you'll your current company will be getting a notice of intent to revoke for their transfer application that they filed. Um, technically until then, until there's an official revocation, your status is still H-1B for now and you can continue working in the US, but I would be prepared basically any day for that transfer application to get revoked, which once it does, you will not have work authorization or status in the US. So you should probably be ready to depart the US um, as soon as that Notice of Intent to Revote comes in. And then you can try registering again under the lottery next year. Um, so because this first know,
2: actually,
6: My current employer is anyhow it's approved status only. But they are telling anyhow. We did not get any notice. Even we have transferred in India it itself. We don't know. I think it's valid. I-94 is also valid till October 2020. For now,
1: it is like I said. Until it's revoked, your you can remain in the U.S. and work here. But I would expect that it will be revoked. So just be prepared for that, and be prepared to submit. You know, register in the lottery again next year.
6: Okay, if that will happen, is there any possibility I can change it to uh, B1
1: or F1? I would not recommend it, not in this situation.
6: Okay, and if that my B employer B is revoked, means then I will be out of status?
1: Yes, so I would plan to depart the U.S. before then. Once the notice of intent to revoke arrives, go ahead and make your preparations to depart the U.S., because the company only has 30 days to respond to a notice of intent to revoke anyway. Um, Okay, we'll need to close the conference here for today. The next one will be tomorrow afternoon at 3.30 Central.
0: Thank you for listening to Ready & Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information, or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites